Better Call Saul. I just finished the show yesterday, and we're going to be talking about everything about the finale, about the series itself. I'm going to talk about my favorite characters. I'm going to talk about uh, my overall thoughts and, and, and everything in between in today's episode. And I'm very much looking forward to it. I have tons of things I want to talk about. I have notes after notes. Uh, however, this is still going to be a pretty informal, laid-back discussion, and that's pretty much the best way I'm going to describe how the structure of this episode is going to is going to go. There's not going to be a lot of quick cuts, a lot of edits. It's pretty much just going to be me having a discussion as if you were sitting right in front of me, and that's the kind of content that I personally prefer watching, so uh, I usually lean towards that kind of stuff. So, uh, A couple things to get out the way before we get into the meat and potatoes. This is going to be a really long episode, probably one of my longest I've ever made because, I have, like I said, I have a lot of things I want to talk about. Uh, so number one, I would definitely suggest getting a nice cold beverage. As you can see, I have mine here. Grab a snack, get some popcorn, some snacks, whatever, whatever you fancy. And uh, obviously, spoilers, if I didn't already address that, I'm uh, going to be talking about everything in depth. So you have been warned. Okay, let's get right into it, shall we? I have a Pretty interesting relationship with television shows. I've only ever seen about four in my entire life. I'm very, very careful about what shows I watch. Because unlike a movie, where it's just usually two to two and a half hours long, sometimes shorter, you watch it once and you're done with it. Whether the whether the film is, is good or bad, you didn't really lose that much time. Whereas a show... You know, some of these shows go on for five plus seasons, in this case, six with Better Call Saul. It's almost like a commitment, right? And, and, and if the show wants me to commit that amount of time to watching this story unfold, it's got to hook me. And very few shows have hooked me. I'll often periodically watch shows. I'll, you know, I'll watch them for a couple of days and then I'll kind of lose interest. And, you know, I will say that was kind of my schedule and and, and, and and how I watched the show. In the beginning, I was very much in and out of season one. Uh, looking back, I actually think season one is, is, is pretty good, but it didn't hook me. You know what I mean? We have the storyline with the Kettlemans and, and we're trying to establish, establish the world and the other surrounding character. Well, I mean, we're already familiar with the world of Albuquerque because of course, if you watched Breaking Bad, a lot of familiar characters from that show are in the show, but we needed to learn more about Saul Goodman, about Jimmy McGill, because every time we saw him in Breaking Bad, we just saw him as Saul Goodman. We never saw his personal life. We never saw Chuck. We never saw Kim. So we needed to establish the supporting characters. Uh, so that was necessary to do. And I don't think the first season is like the worst one, but as someone who was so far detached from Breaking Bad, because yeah, I, I liked Breaking Bad, but I didn't love it. And I didn't rewatch it after I finished watching the series. And I did like Bob Odenkirk, and I did like his appearances as Saul Goodman. And I can understand why people wanted to see a spinoff because the character itself is very interesting. He's very persuasive. He's very charismatic. And I think a lot of that had to do with the actor himself, Bob Odenkirk. You know, a lot of people say that characters are characters, actors are actors. You know, it's all about the character. And, 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 and yes, it is. And yes... You could recast actors for certain roles, but I truly believe Bob Odenkirk was born to play Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill. I, I really don't think that there could have been another actor that could have done that character as much justice as Bob Odenkirk did. I think he just embodied that everything that that character needed to be. Uh, and I'd say probably around season two is when is when I got hooked. That's when I was really enriched in the show and I wanted to know more. I wanted to see how the different arcs would play out. And what's what's really important for me in a television show, and it's honestly kind of a make it or break it, is the supporting characters. Um, you Obviously, it's a given. You need to be interested in the main character. That's That goes without saying. But what's going to keep me watching a show long term is the supporting characters. Are they interesting? Are they memorable, right? Because it's not all going to be about the main character. We need to see we need to see the life surrounding him, right? And that'll help kind of progress his story moving forward. And this show, and you really have to give your hats off to Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. The the way they wrote this show and the way they wrote the supporting character, sometimes 
the storylines and the and the and the other things happening with the other characters in the show sometimes overshadow what's going on with Jimmy. Not to say Jimmy isn't interesting. He, I'd probably say he he is my favorite character. But outside of him, there were some pretty interesting arcs and 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 and, and interesting you know subplots going on throughout the show that sometimes had more of my attention than what was happening with Jimmy, particularly in and I'd say the first half of season six. I think everything that was going on with Nacho, everything that was going on with the Salamancas in the beginning, I think that was more interesting than what was happening with Jimmy and Kim. But then it quickly kind of grabbed you, quickly hooked you again once everything happened with Howard and, and him getting killed. And then I think the focus redirected to Jimmy and to Kim. And uh, and then we'll we'll address the rest of that. So that's how I got into the show. Now, let's address the finale. Um, I think the finale, I think it was the necessary conclusion to Saul Goodman, a.k.a. Uh, Bob Odenk aka Jimmy McGill. I think it was the necessary conclusion to his character. And I think his day was eventually going to come. I kind of knew that this was gonna happen. Not like beat for beat, not moment by moment, but I have I, I kind of had a feeling that he was eventually going to get caught. He was eventually gonna go to jail for his crimes. And I think it was foreshadowed several times throughout the show. And I have I have a couple lists here of so. Most notably, the Air Force captain confrontation. I think that happened in season two when uh, the Air Force captain, once he found out that you know Jimmy McGill was shooting a TV show on or shooting a, a commercial on his on his on his naval base, he took a lot of issue with that, and he said one line in particular to Jimmy. He said, "The wheel always turns." It, it was something like that. It was very um, it was very similar to a line that Mordo said in Doctor Strange. Uh, not to get off topic here, but Mordo said to Doctor Strange, the bill always comes forward or something. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, this Air Force captain was just telling Jimmy, like, guys like you think you can get away with this kind of stuff. You think you could cut corners, but eventually, eventually karma's going to get you. So that, I think, definitely foreshadowed the inevitable uh, ending. And then there was a couple other times, especially with Chuck. Chuck's speech in court about how Jimmy will never change. I think that was one as well. Uh, that whole kind of climax when Jimmy exposed that everything that Chuck has been experiencing has has been a mental illness rather than an actual electromagnetic uh, allergy, I think, that, that Chuck's character described. Um, and during that speech, when everybody was kind of looking at Chuck sideways, a lot of things he said were still true. Like, Jimmy's not going to change. This is what he does. Like, he shouldn't be a lawyer. And while I love Jimmy... I can't really disagree with everything that Chuck said because as the show went on, I think his point was kind of further solidified. Uh, and, and I think that definitely foreshadowed that inevitable incarceration. Um, and then Mike explaining to Jimmy how our choices lead us down a path during that episode when they were out in the desert. Uh, and they, they kind of had a little heart to heart. Or I think, I, I don't know if it was that if it was that moment, they, there was a point where they had a conversation and uh, I think it was either in season four or season five. And, and Mike was telling Jimmy, you know, basically that our choices have consequences, right? We, it, we, we set ourselves down a path by making certain choices, whether they're subtle choices, whether they're more profound choices, either way, we write our own path. And I think once again, that was foreshadowing. Uh, the conclusion. And then last thing I got here, and I'm sure there's several others, is uh, Ch Chuck's last conversation with Jimmy when he said, quote, why have regrets? This is what you do. And looking back retrospectively, I thought that was a really harsh thing for, for, uh, for Chuck to say to Jimmy. And then he closed out by saying, um, I don't even care about you or I don't even love you. It was something along those lines. I mean, that was pretty harsh. But before that, he was telling Jimmy, like, why are you spilling your guts to me? Why are you apologizing? What's the point? You're just going to regress. You're just going to go back to your old habits, your old ways. And at that time, it was kind of like, damn, like that's, you know, that's harsh. After all this, Jimmy's just trying to mend the fences. Like you guys are brothers. But like I said, as the show went on, he was right. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy will give you the, the dreary eyed kind of lost puppy look and, 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 and he'll apologize to his, you know, to his missteps. But sooner or later, he's just going to go back to his old, to his old bad habits. And 
he was kind of right. And it all led to this. I To get more detail about the finale, I was pretty shocked once... You know, but before he confessed to everything, I, I I was very surprised that they were going the route that okay, Jimmy's gonna sweet talk himself out of, out of another situation. He's gonna get off on seven years, um, and I, I would have been kind of disappointed if they would have ended that way. And he begins his speech. He begins reciting the 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 first like five things he said in that confession to Hank Schrader's wife, but then something changes. Instead of continuing on by by playing the victim card and telling everybody, like, I was the victim of Walter White, he, he admits, and that's when you know what's happening. And that's when he says, I looked at it as an opportunity. I made millions. I kept them out of jail. He wouldn't have been Walter White if it wasn't for me. I think that was a character arc coming full circle. The show started with him representing clients, trying to trying to do the right thing, trying to be, as he called himself, the friend for the friendless. But in reality, he was just as much a criminal as anybody he's ever represented. You know what I'm saying? He just... And the fact that he finally took responsibility, he was finally able to hold himself accountable rather than talking himself and, and being very persuasive. And, and he was able to finally say, you know what? I can't live this life anymore. I can't live this lie. I can't live as Gene Takovic anymore. And I was watching an interview. I was watching an interview with Vince Gilligan on uh, the Rich Eisen show. And Vince talked about how when we see Jimmy go to jail, and and this really kind of changed my perspective because when I was watching the episode, excuse me, um, when I was watching the episode and, and, we see him go to jail and everything like that. I felt pretty sad. He deserved it, obviously. But it felt pretty tragic to me. But what, after listening to Vince talk about it, and for those of you who don't know, I'm referring to Vince Gilgan. He's the writer and the co-creator of the show. He explained how, at that moment, Jimmy hadn't been that free in forever. He was more free baking in the federal prison's kitchen than he was baking cinnamons at, or uh, baking cinnamon buns at Cinnabon. And it made sense, right? Because he's admitted the truth and he's just living his life and he'll probably never get out of there. But at least he doesn't have a guilty conscience weighing over him, him anymore. At least he doesn't have to look, excuse me, over his shoulder anymore worrying if someone's going to make out his his true identity. Because that's how he was when he was working at Cinnabon. The very first time we see that sequence in season one, you can see that he's looking over the counter and for a moment he's worried that somebody somebody has made his identity. And eventually somebody does. But my point is, is that he's the freest he's ever been. Which which is ironic because he's incarcerated, he's behind bars, he's he's lost the freedom of going anywhere he wants. He, he can't live in society anymore. At the same time, he almost looks, he almost looks like he's come to peace with it. He's to, to a, to a weird kind of degree. He's, he's almost happy. When you look at him at Cinnabon, he looked miserable because he has nobody in his life. He's lost everything. He's lost everyone. It's not like he can go see a therapist. If he admits to everything that's bothered him, then he's going to get arrested. And in those moments at Cinnabon, he just looked like he was always on edge because he had to, you know, worry about is is is, is someone gonna stroll along and, and recognize me? And so I I I found that very interesting once Vince Gilligan kind of explained that. Once we see him in prison, yes, of course it's sad, it's tragic and whatnot, but but really it's it's kind of the happiest Jimmy's ever been. He just doesn't have to worry anymore. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, he needs to be held accountable for his actions, but he's let go. He's accepted that, you know what? I cannot run away from this anymore. When it comes to Jimmy holding himself accountable, I don't want to give him all the credit because I think if it wasn't for Kim or if it wasn't for him finding out that Kim confessed to everything that happened to Howard, I believe he would have he would have continued with his plan of getting the seven-year plea deal. I really do. Um, I think what Kim did... 
was first of all, it was noble. It was necessary. Um, and I think that's that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I think once Jimmy heard that, I think he then knew that there's no way I can outrun this. He could take the plea deal. He could take the seven years. But even when he gets out, he's, he knows that no matter what, he could delay the inevitable. He can delay being incarcerated because eventually the truth always comes out. Or he could just own up to it and come to peace with his actions. And I, and I, and I think that's truly what happened. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, and, and, and I think my favorite moment from that finale was when Jimmy took the stand and essentially took over the whole court and just spilled his guts. And that was that moment where he really let it all out. And I think at that point, the 86 years didn't even matter to him. He knew that this was going to be his last opportunity to tell everybody that loved him. Or, I mean, really just Kim. He's lost everybody else at this point because he had Kim in the courtroom. It was going to be his last opportunity to tell the world and tell Kim, his world, everything that he's done. Sorry about that. And you could see he started to just tell things that weren't even relevant in the court, weren't, weren't going to move the pendulum for him at all. Even, even his lawyer, Will Oakley, he said to him, he's like, you know, you didn't need to talk about Chuck. Like, that, that was kind of irrelevant. But it didn't matter. Because that was his opportunity. It's almost like he was confessing to a priest. He just needed to get everything off his chest. He didn't want to leave anything that he could go to bed at night and wonder, oh, fuck, I forgot to mention that. He said everything. And as harsh as it is, he kind of takes accountability for Chuck killing himself. And I appreciated that because there was that moment where Jimmy and Howard, when, when Howard was was addressing Jimmy at a, at, it was a, it was in between. I think Jimmy was kind of looking over. He was, he was in, he was in court, not in court, but he was, he was like watching somebody and Howard snuck behind him. And, the, and then he asked him again, he's like, have you, have you considered the, the offer for the job to work at Hamlin? And, uh, and Jimmy, Jimmy once again said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue thinking about it. And uh, where was I going with that? I'm drawing a blank here. You talk. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Jimmy said to Howard, he said, um, you killed my brother. You killed him. But in reality, no. Jimmy. Okay. Jimmy didn't kill Chuck. Chuck killed himself. But I think what provoked Chuck to do that was because Chuck lost the last thing that gave his life meaning. It's being a lawyer. And Jimmy pretty much took that away from him. And as we see, as the show progresses, the choices that Jimmy makes has collateral damage. We see there's catastrophe that follows Jimmy. Look at what happened to Howard. It's a byproduct of, of, of everything that's happened with Jimmy and Kim. You know, we get to the point where Jimmy and Kim are like Bonnie and Clyde. And... Towards the finale of episode five, or I think literally on the finale when Kim pitches the idea to Jimmy that they should essentially just fuck with Howard and screw up his life, Jimmy kind of holds back at first. And it, he almost looks like, what have I done? I've created, <laughs> look look what I've created. I've turned Kim into this, 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 this person that I... I resent, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like Frankenstein. Like I've, I've created a monster. Not that Kim is a monster, but if you see Kim's arc, she started off as a straight arrow, you know, hardworking person. She still is a hard worker, but now she's just as involved with, with, with all the schemes that Jimmy's doing. And now she's creating them. She's coming up with the ideas to do them. And Jimmy almost kind of looks sad. He almost looks broken. He's like, damn, like, I have not had a good effect on, on this person. And he won't admit it. And finally, it eventually takes Kim the, the bravery to cut the relationship off. Because she understands that, you know what? We're not good for each other. We love each other, but we're not good. We have not made the lives around us better. We have only hurt them. 
literally. There's a dead man lying on, lying on their floor. Once that breakup happened, that's really the moment where Saul Goodman took over Jimmy McGill. And that's really when that identity and that persona went on full front. And then from there, every time we see Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad, we're not really seeing Jimmy McGill. We're seeing a facade. And in the finale, once Jimmy finally makes peace with everything and and confesses, that was the moment where the Saul Goodman identity faded. And then Jimmy McGill was reborn. And I think there's something very poetic about that. You know what I mean? And um, <laughs> he even tells the judge, like, and I'm Jimmy McGill. Even on the bus, when that inmate turns around and looks at him and says, you're Saul Goodman. And everybody starts cheering him on. He doesn't look, like, impressed by it. He's not, like, it's not fueling him. He doesn't want to be seen as Saul Goodman anymore. And most of the guys on that bus that were cheering for him, and a lot of them in prison that he'll probably come in contact with, he probably represented them. But he even tells that guy, like, no, I'm I'm James McGill. I'm not Saul Goodman. And I, like I said, I, I think there was just something very Shakespearean, very poetic about that conclusion and, and everything coming full circle for his character. And, and as I mentioned, after I saw that interview with Vince Gilligan, it really did change my perspective on the finale because I felt very sad, as I mentioned. He most certainly earned his spot in prison and he, 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 he deserves all 86 years of those, of those sentences. But now that I know that he's kind of happy now, he can just live his life. That made me feel a lot different about the finale. So I think that's pretty much all my thoughts on the finale. Now we're going to get into some other stuff. Um, oh yeah, I'll talk about the last conversation that Jim and Kim had. In that time between those six years when... Jim, or when when uh, when Jimmy was in Omaha as Gene Takovic and Kim was in Florida, that relationship had pretty much been gone. It was pretty much fractured. I mean, we saw Kim sign the divorce papers, so they were literally done. And it was nice to see that they left that door open for the relationship isn't completely fractured. There there's a little bit of flame left. Literally, and like they, that's the only color they showed in that shot of them speaking was the flame on the cigarette. And I think that was to signify to the audience that there's still life left. There's still life left in this relationship. And I love that Kim said, I'm your lawyer now. You know, my, 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 my bar access hasn't expired, I think is what she said. And it was nice to get that conclusion because I would have been a little bit upset if the show had ended and that relationship had still kind of been severed. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they ended with them reconnecting. And, uh, and I was watching videos breaking down kind of the cinematography and one person astutely showed how that shot of, of, of Jimmy on behind the fences in the basketball court and he's looking at Kim and Kim's across and you could see there's the stairs on Kim's side and there's the rough snowy terrain on Jimmy's side, kind of signifying that Kim has the access to the steps. You know, she can she can continue forward and, and Jimmy's got a, an uphill battle, if you will. I think that's how he described it. So I'm just trying to give that. I can't remember the YouTuber I watched, but I, I want to give that credit because um, that was a pretty interesting way of putting it. So, yeah, probably one of the best finales I've ever seen. One of the best character arcs I've ever seen. And... A lot of people have compared, you know, which show was better. I don't have an answer. I think it's just too soon. Um, however, I will say this though, and I, I'll easily say this. I much prefer the arc that Jimmy McGill had and how it concluded compared to the arc that Walter White had and how that concluded, personally me speaking. So, 
yeah, now we are going to transition. I, I, I think I addressed pretty much everything I wanted to talk about in regards to the finale. Now let's talk about Jimmy McGill. We're going to talk about him specifically. And we're going to talk about the character. And how I, how I feel about him. Why we root for him. But why we're also frustrated with him. Overall, Jimmy McGill's not a bad guy. He's got a good heart. He's... He, he he just made a lot of stupid decisions and he had a lot of bad habits of cutting corners trying to trying to trying to con his way out of situations but he was a smart dude you know chuck often looks down on jimmy in a very condescending way like like you are my disciple you know you're not on my level but if you really think about it in terms of intellect jimmy is not that far off from chuck in terms of the you know smarts Jimmy's a smart dude. Underrated him in that regard, in my opinion. He just uses that, that, that resource and he uses that trait for, for the wrong reasons. Not all the time, but more times than not, he doesn't use it for the right reasons. And that's that separation between him and Chuck. Chuck is more of, you know, the Boy Scout, if you will. You know, always doing the right thing. Which is good. Whereas Jimmy is the more rebellious character. He's the more, you know, I'm going to take the uncertain path. I'm going to take more risk. You know what I'm saying? So, and he's a complex character. He's deeply flawed, but there's layers to Jimmy. There's times where we get glimmers of hope. We get glimmers of maybe he's capable of doing the right thing. But then he falls back to his bad habits. He falls back to his bad ways. And I'm actually reading a book right now that's all about uh, how to write a character. Um, actually, I got it right here. What's it called? Uh, character, The Art of Role and Cast Design for Page, Stage, and Screen by Robert McKee. And this book several times references Better Call Saul because... The character of James McGill should honestly be studied for screenwriters, for for people looking to write a story and create a character, because he's just so compelling. Because, and and it's, it explains in the book that the most predictable and cliche characters are not characters that stick with people, with most people. It's the ones that are complex. It's the ones that are that are like I said, flawed. Those are the ones that we grow attached to. Because in those lines of the character, in those kind of confines, there's aspects that are relatable to audiences to certain degrees. And we have that very much with Jimmy. We see Jimmy, we see him at the beginning of the show. He's kind of down in the dumps. You know, he's, he's working out of the back of a nail salon. He's, he's financially not doing well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we see him having to call clients and putting on an accent, pretending like he's he's a receptionist. So that can relate to a lot of people, not that specifically, but trying to build your name, trying to make a name for yourself and, and starting off with nothing. Um, and there's many other aspects. Like I'm sure I'm not going to hit every, you know, every point I'm probably going to miss some things, but, and what I'll probably do is I think I'll do a, another video on the subject in a couple of months after I rewatch everything again. Because I literally just watched it yesterday. So it's still pretty fresh in my mind. So I'm sure I'm bound to probably miss a few points. Um, and you know, note them in the comments. And, and tell me how you feel about the character. Because um, like I said, he's just, he's so interesting. Because we love Jimmy McGill. He's, he's a likable guy. He's not, he's not a monster. He's not a terrible human being. He just puts himself, and it's completely his fault, he just puts himself in these situations. And as Mike said, you know, our choices take us down a path, and that's absolutely what happened with Jimmy. That's absolutely what happened with him. And out of all the characters, I mean, I think this is pretty obvious, he's probably my favorite in the entire Breaking Bad universe. Um, and he had the tools and he had to, the means, as I said, to make better choices. Like I said, he's incredibly smart. He's persuasive. He's charismatic. He just didn't use those for the right reasons all the time. 
And that's pretty much the best way I could describe how I feel about him. Um, let's see if I miss anything else. Yeah, so now we're going to move on and I'm going to talk about my favorite characters in the shows. I'm going to talk about their arcs, what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them. And uh, yeah. So now we're going to run through all the characters um, that I enjoyed watching. I'm going to go through their respective arcs. And we're going to kick it off with Nacho Varga. He's one of my favorite characters. And he had probably the most tragic ending to his arc. And he's one of the few members of the Salamanca cartel who actually had humanity in him. You know what I mean? He he wasn't a psychopath. He He... He didn't even really want to be in the cartel. We see him, his whole mission is to do whatever he can to leave the cartel. And as he tries to do that, he tries many different ways. He just gets sucked back in. It's like the harder he tries, the harder they pulled back. They pulled him back in the cartel, giving him more things to do. He had to, I mean, he kind of put himself in that situation. But overall, like he, he's not a monster. You know what I mean? Like he, he has a good heart and all he really wanted to do was a leave the cartel and b protect his dad. And it came to the point where he knew he was going to get caught. He knew he was going to get killed. And his only request to Gus was that I'll, I'll tell Salamanca, I'll tell Don Eladio, I'll tell them whatever you want. Just please leave my dad alone. That's all he wanted. It was tragic, yet it was a pretty badass way to go. You know what I mean? Like he 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 went out he went out with some with some dignity. He didn't die in vain. You know what I mean? At least he got to take himself out. It sounds pretty dark, but at least he didn't get mangled and tortured by you know by the Salamancas. Um, he at least had that kind of. I don't know. He, he got to go out swinging high, I, I guess is the best way to uh, to put it. But uh, I, I really loved watching his character and I wish we would have seen more of him and Jimmy together because in those beginning, in the beginning we saw, we saw him and Jimmy, you know, they, they, uh, they had a lot of moments together because, you know, Jimmy had to get him out of jail and he was almost sort of indebted to Nacho in the beginning. But then seasons, I'd say, when did we see him reconnect with Jimmy? I think it was season five. So basically from after, from season two on, we didn't see him and Jimmy share the screen. Uh, and we slowly got that progression of that character. We learned a little bit more about him. And while they didn't really address how he joined the cartel, I imagine Nacho probably got himself involved when he was like a teenager for whatever reason. You know what I mean? It, and then I think he, he once he got himself involved in that life, I think he probably saw everything that it entailed. And then he wanted to escape it, but he couldn't. You know, because once you're in it, you're in it, right? I think that's literally a line that they say throughout the show. Uh, and his dad would always tell him, turn yourself in, do the right thing. And he knew that he couldn't. You know what I mean? He, he I think he, I don't even think that was an option on the table for him. Because he knew with turning himself in would be, revealing some some secrets about the cartel and then from there by extension he knew that his father's life would be in danger um yeah i'm just trying to see if i addressed everything and it was all it was pretty sad i was watching an interview with michael mando who is the actor who plays nacho varga and by the way i found out that he's canadian so shout out to him for those of you who don't know i'm canadian uh and and he talked about when they were filming the show and they were they were filming his his character uh and they were discussing the arc and how he's very protective of his father and he wants to make sure he's taken care of and he, he doesn't get hurt michael mando talked about how in his personal life his his father was uh had cancer and and he was fighting cancer while they were while they were making the show and he said a quote here and it really kind of it made me a little bit emotional and he said um while they were filming the show, he said, I'm trying to save my father's life in the show and I can't save my father in real life. And he talked about how he carried a lot of that baggage. And he said at times it was, it was, it was a lot during, during shooting to have to, you know, deal with that. So, I mean, it lent for, uh, for a great performance, but I mean, that's, you never wish that upon anybody. And, uh, yeah, 
and he Michael Mando is such a good actor. And now that I've seen him in this, I'm really hoping that they bring him back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because we got a tease of him being the Scorpion character all the way in Homecoming, and we haven't seen any of that addressed since. He's a great actor, and I really hope to see him pop up in more and more things. Um, yeah, so now let's move on to Kim. I would say, other than Jimmy, I would say Kim is probably my favorite character out of the whole show. And when the show first started, I didn't really think much about her. I I, I, I thought she just... I, I could tell they she knew Jimmy. I could tell there was some history. But as the show progressed and we saw that relationship blossom and we saw... We learned more about her character. She quickly became one of my favorite characters in the show. She's she's fierce and she's loyal. And she she sticks up for Jimmy. She understands that all, a lot of people just look down on Jimmy. Look down on him like he's just scum. And she's always right there with him. No matter what. And I love that she has that speech with Jimmy when, when he's trying to, in season four, get his bar license back. Uh, I think is the terminology. Excuse me if I would incorrectly describe that. He's trying to get, he's trying to get, he's trying to become a lawyer again. And that first meeting, he got denied. And he's, he, you know, he's, he's complaining to Kim. He's telling Kim that, you know, you, uh, you, you, you agree with them or, or whatever he was saying. And Kim basically was saying like, who do you think you are? Like, take a step back and look what I've done for you. I've been with you every step of, of the process. She quit her job to work with Jimmy. You know what I mean? So I, I love Kim. I, I really, really do. And and I like how even throughout the show, we learned that she had a pretty troubled childhood. Her mom seemed to be alcoholic. And, and, and she really kind of built herself up. She explained how I grew up in a small town. I let I escaped that small town and I kind of just wanted to help people out. And, and I think that truly does breathe into her character and it shows why she wanted to be a lawyer. You know what I mean? She, she wanted to help out the little guy. Very similar to Jimmy. I think they share that. I think they share that mission statement, if you will. Um, and I think they're on the same page about that. So make sure I address everything about that. So now let's talk about Chuck. So Chuck, 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 Chuck. Chuck's an interesting character because he plays by the book. You know, you objectively, you can't say that he, that he did anything wrong. Was he an asshole though? Yes, he was an asshole, especially to Jimmy. Cause there were times where, especially early on that Jimmy was going out of his way to help him many times. I, I know Chuck said I could hire somebody, but like the fact that Jimmy without asking for anything in return was willing to help bring Chuck the supplies he needed. He never once was condescending or, or, or tried to question what was happening to uh, to Chuck. In the beginning, obviously, everything that happened in the court, that's different. And eventually, Jimmy exposed that this was just had to do with his mental health. But in the beginning, he never once questioned it. He listened to Chuck, whether he believed him or not. And that was that. Whereas Chuck, on the other hand, always looks down on Jimmy, always condemns Jimmy. He, he he never wants to give him praise when at times there were times where clearly Jimmy deserved some encouragement. He he did some things right. But Chuck was egotistical in that regard. He never wanted to give Jimmy his flowers even when he deserted because Chuck felt that Jimmy didn't deserve them even when he clearly had earned that respect at times. Don't get me wrong. Jimmy definitely uh, gave Chuck reasons to be resentful towards him, obviously, but at the same time, um, I, I, I think he, he wasn't emotionally supportive for Jimmy. And you could argue that, you know, he, he obviously had emotional issues himself. Maybe he, because he was dealing with that, he couldn't, he couldn't be there for Jimmy, but I don't know. I, I, I think Chuck was too smart of an individual to, to, I, I think he understood the situation at times. And uh, it was tragic how he died, of course. You know, he, he killed himself. And the fact that he killed himself with the lamp that we see him constantly carry around with him. That's how he keeps the only light on in the house. That was eventually the very thing that took him out. Um, that was tragic. 
And I think the effect it had afterwards on Jimmy was tragic as well. Because Jimmy in the beginning tries to play it off like, I don't care about it anymore. I'm glad my brother's dead. But in that confession that Jimmy has, it, he brings up Chuck. And you could see that he buried that deep down. He didn't want to think about that. But that truly fucked with him because he knew what he had done. He knew that he pushed Chuck over the edge. Um, but with that being said, Chuck wasn't the greatest brother. I think if you're looking at it strictly with their relationship, take away their professions. We all know Chuck was an esteemed lawyer in the past, obviously. He was a partner of Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. Um, but his relationship was with Jimmy. Jimmy was the better brother. And I think that, and it's, I think I, one of the stars described, I think it was either Bob Odenkirk or it was someone from, from the crew described that Chuck made their mom proud, but Jimmy was always the one that could make their mom laugh and put a smile on her face. And that is the resentment. And that was something that Chuck couldn't do. He always made his mom proud, but he could never make her laugh the way Jimmy did. And that was always that battle, that internal resentment that he had towards Jimmy. Because, and it makes sense, Jimmy's the more, he's the more sociable one. He's the more accessible one. He's more, like I said, he's more charismatic. He's more approachable rather than Chuck, who Chuck gives off that that very uh, snob, snobby vibe of like, I'm better than you. You know what I'm saying? And I think he truly kind of does believe that about a lot of people. That's why he's, every time he's talking to Jimmy, it's always like, there's always a very condescending vibe that he gives. Um, so yeah, to wrap up my thoughts about Chuck, I think, you know, Jimmy always strived for his approval. And I think deep down Chuck knew he, he could have given it. But Chuck was too prideful and too, he had too much of an ego to give that, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, to give that validation. So, interesting character. And it was sad the way he went out. That's pretty much all I could say about Chuck. Now let's move on to who's up next here move on to Howard. So Howard is, is a pretty interesting character that like Chuck, we meet him and audiences immediately think, and I thought this too, that once again, this guy's an asshole, right? And, and clearly he's very close with Chuck. I mean, they were both partners together, so they had a, they had a close relationship and he seemed to share a lot of the same views that Chuck had about Jimmy. However, as the show progresses, we actually learn more about Howard and we see that a lot of times, he's actually trying to help Jimmy. He's actually trying to be nice to him. He offered him a fucking job at the firm. Now, Jimmy took that as an insult, I guess. And and, and, and he took that as uh, almost like a power play, if you will. At least that's how I interpreted it. But there were times where I think it was just the nature of Howard that Jimmy despised. I'm sure there was probably some jealousy involved in that. Because Howard was like the true professional. You know what I mean? He 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 knew how to keep his shit in order. Unlike, obviously, Chuck had his issues and eventually he, he was detached from the firm. And even when he came back, things weren't really the same. But Chuck was the ultimate stand-up guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he there were times where maybe he's a little bit, I don't know, in a little bit into himself, a little bit too much. Uh, into, I keep saying the word, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but... At the end of the day, I don't think he was a bad guy, and I, and I, I think that what what Kim and Jim and Jimmy did to him, I think they realized at the end that they went too far, and it's pretty much their fault that he died. Like, yeah, they they didn't pull the trigger, but they were wrapped up in everything with Lalo, and then he came in, and he and and as they said, Howard was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, I mean, now that I'm saying it, maybe it's too harsh to say that. They are the sole reason why he died. I mean, technically speaking, no, but he wouldn't have arrived at their apartment. He wouldn't have expressed his frustration with them had they not have fucked with him over the course of that, over the course of season six, as they plotted out at the end of season five. And I think Howard really just, at the end of the day, 
I think he just wanted Jimmy off his back. And I think he just wanted what was best for Jimmy. See, unlike Chuck, Chuck was never willing to give Jimmy that praise. Howard was. Howard was able to put his ego to the side. He said in that interview at that lunch when he pitched the idea of you coming to work with us, he said, you know what? You're a go-getter. You don't wait for things. You, you take them. That was a compliment. He could see that in Jimmy. Chuck, I think, could see that too, but Chuck was unwilling to actually say that. So Howard had a little bit of admirability for Jimmy. But Jimmy at that point, you know, so much time had passed. I just don't think Jimmy wanted to believe that 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 that, that Howard had the best intentions. So I think Howard is a pretty interesting character. And I think he's he's tied for Nacho with, I think, the most tragic. He actually might even have the most tragic arc out of all the characters. Because it's, it's and, and everything that followed afterwards with, with the, with the, uh, with the funeral and, and, and how we meet. And right before we die, we see that, you know, Howard's personal life is kind of fucked up. Like his marriage is falling apart. So the fact that he's still able to be a professional and show up to work and do his job and not let those things infiltrate. And then for him to just die, it just, it sucked. It sucked to see that. And then furthermore, you know, now he's, he's got a widow and, and, and Jimmy and Kim straight up lie to them. And that's why I really appreciated when, Jim, when, when Kim finally admitted to everything to, to Howard's wife. And she knew that by doing this, she's, she could fuck up her own life. She, she could go to court. She could go to jail. But she knew that it was the necessary and it was the right thing to do. And as I said in the beginning of the episode, I truly believe Jimmy would have taken that seven-year plea deal. But if it wasn't for Kim, if it wasn't for him finding out that Kim admitted to everything with Howard, I think, like I said, I think that is what's the, I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Kim was the moral compass for Jimmy. Once that happened, Jimmy knew what he had to do. So, yeah. Uh, last but not least, we have Mike. Um, I liked Mike. I, 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 I don't think we, we learned enough about him in Breaking Bad, similar to, uh, you know, other characters. Uh, and, and we learned a lot more about his past. We learned how he had a son who, who was a police officer like him. And we understand that he is clearly a family guy. He just wants to protect his family. And he was willing to put his life on the line with, 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 uh, with Hector before, you know, in the beginning of the season, you know, Hector even said, I, one word, I could send my nephews down and kill your family. And, and he was ready to, to put it all on the line to protect them. Um, and I kind of like Mike, you know, Mike, Mike isn't the greatest guy as well. We see him kind of descend. Like in the beginning, he kind of has ethics, you know, he still has, he still has a moral compass, but we see through the show that he's he's willing to kill more people. He's willing to kill uh, Werner Ziegler, the the German guy, and he clearly was friends with him. And you could see he clearly didn't want to do that, but he was still willing to pull the trigger. So we see that descent. Um, but <laughs> I just think he's a funny dude. You know what I mean? Like when I'm old, and when I say this, I don't mean I hope to be him in terms of what he does. I just mean his attitude. You know, I when I'm older, I, I just said I. I just find it funny how he just doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't let anybody fuck with him. I'm not saying, you know, when I'm old, I'm going to go up and start killing people. Obviously, no. But I mean, like, his attitude, I just think is kind of funny. Um, and, and, I, and I really loved his relationship with Nacho. He almost looked at Nacho. I mean, this might be going a step too far. But he almost looked at Nacho as like a, as like a son figure, maybe. You clearly could see he, out of all the people he had to kill, he went as far as he could to try and save Nacho. He told Gus many times, loyalty goes both ways. This kid has done nothing but do everything you've asked him to do. Like, like let's rescue him. Let's get him out of New Mexico. You could clearly see he was trying to go that extra mile to, to prevent him from being killed. And it's sad that it ended up, you know, going the way it did. But um, yeah, maybe saying a son figure might be a little bit too far. But maybe he saw some of 
his son in Nacho. I, I'm just speculating, but yeah. Um, okay, I, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. Uh, I'm sorry I was kind of all over the place. Like I said, I took some notes, but it's still all very fresh in my mind. I'm sure, you know, I like I said, I... I this wasn't going to be the most organized episode. I'm kind of all over the place. I just I just wanted to talk about this because I I love the finale. This is honestly one of the best shows I've ever seen, and I'm upset that it's over. You know, it's it's almost like saying goodbye to an old friend. Um, I I almost wanted to delay watching the finale. I almost wanted to to just wait so I could still know that. I'm not completely done with this world. And technically I'm not. I could go back and rewatch it. But the story is over. And it's bittersweet how how everything came to an end. It was the necessary conclusion. But I feel like I'm saying goodbye to, 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 to this character, to this journey that I've been following for so long. It's kind of, it's kind of upsetting a little bit. Um, I haven't felt like this about a TV show in a very, very long time. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to uh, to that feeling, but yeah, in the future, I will make another video on this subject and it will be more um, situated. It will be more uh, formal. I'll probably be able to kind of get my point across a little bit better and I'll eventually give my thoughts on the whole, you know, Breaking Bad versus uh, Better Call Saul debate. Not that it's... It, one doesn't need to be better than the other, but I think it is still a, it, it's still a fun conversation to have, and I just don't think I'm ready to have that conversation yet because I just finished the show. But I will make a follow up video to this in the future, uh, and, and and it'll be it'll be different than this. But I, I thought these are more or less my immediate thoughts on everything that went down with Better Call Saul. Like I said, I'm sure I missed some things and 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 whatnot, but. If you stuck around for this song, I want to thank you very much. I will have another podcast coming soon. I'll be talking all about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I saw the film a couple days ago. Loved it. And I'll, I'll get into more details about that very soon. Uh, I want to thank you guys for watching. Um, if you stuck around for this long, you can follow me on Instagram, nicholas.doucette and uh, at unbashfulpod. More videos to come. And let me know down in the comment section below how you feel about Better Call Saul. Uh, well, my camera decided to give out on me right on my closing thoughts, but I really don't have much else to say other than let me know in the comments below how you felt about the finale. Do you think it was satisfying? Do you think it was fulfilling? It was what you were looking for. Uh, let me know all of that. Let me know how you feel about the whole series in its entirely, its entirety, excuse me, down in the comments below. Guys, it's going to wrap up episode 45. Thank you for watching. I'll see you on the next one. Stay safe, stay happy, and everything in between. Have a good night.